Visionaries Global Media, your number one source for podcasting entertainment. Good, bad, good, bad, good, bad, good. All right, welcome back to Good Cop, Bad Cop. Uh, God, I keep wanting to say wrestling. That is really forced to have it. That's muscle memory. Good Cop, Bad Cop baseball podcast. I think this is around episode six. I normally have Matt here to help me with the numbers. I, you wouldn't think I would need it as a math teacher, but hey, that's the way it goes. And joining me this week is a guest from MGB Wrestling Podcast in the day when I was still around, probably about a year or so ago. Um, I got my former student, Ryan, with me. How you doing, Ryan? Doing great. It's uh, good to be here. Always exciting to talk about sports with y'all. I say I definitely tried to fake it until I made it on the wrestling podcast, so appreciate the opportunity. Uh, a little more within my wheelhouse here, but we'll, we'll see what people think, depending on how it goes. That was a weird one. I lost a bet, and you appeared on my wrestling podcast. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's <laughs> how, that how it happened. Yeah. The reason I know is it came up on Facebook, um, and it must have been the three-year anniversary, yep. and it, uh, Alex Morgan appeared, and um, having scored a goal against England, and then yep. pretended to drink the tea after the celebration. And um, I knew I was going to lose, but I, I made the bet that England would... It wasn't for money. It wasn't that type of bet. Yeah, it was no, no. a gentleman's wager. And um, sure enough, America obviously beat England. It was That was always going to happen, but... Yeah, and then somehow you appeared on my podcast for that. I, it sounds like, um, yeah, I don't quite remember the, I don't quite remember how that changed around, but hey, this Here is more are. your wheelhouse for sure, though, because I know that you are a Boston Red Sox fan. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. Uh, I'm, I'm sure you know, uh, you know a lot of really strong baseball fans, but uh, for me, definitely, uh, kind of got hoodwinked into uh, joining the Boston Red Sox bandwagon uh, as a as a young kid. Um, my mom's family is from New England, so. Uh, when I was growing up, so like for context, I'm 33, I was born in 1989 when I started getting into baseball. Just generally speaking, New England sports were awful. They were bad. So I was like, okay, cool. You know, everyone's on this Cal Ripken, Baltimore Orioles, like hype. I don't need to go there. The Nationals weren't a thing. My dad really wasn't forcing any of the local teams. Although Camden Yards is great. Really love it. Really love that and, and all that stuff. But uh, yeah, just started liking the Red Sox because they were kind of lovable and uh, it was a little bit different. But uh, that, that, I mean, like, Hindsight 2020, it's worked out really well. Yeah, I, I kind of feel like a cheat as well. Like, I started supporting yeah. them in 2000, and I keep getting the question, what made you support them? I'm like, I like the name. Like, yeah. It's not even a good reason. It's an awful reason. But the joke reason I always give is because I'm from old England. So this yeah. Is, and I wish I could say that was the real reason, because that would at least sound legitimate. But no, mm -hmm. I just heard the name Red Sox. And they were not that good in 2000. They had Garcia Parra on their team. But besides that, they were, yeah, average I feel like average still kind of uh, falling into what the Cubs were for a majority of my life. Kind of like on the off chance they'd have a good season, they were still viewed as like the lovable losers that you knew eventually would fall short of expectations. And so uh, definitely I'd say like if I think about what I am as a Red Sox fan, like uh, I lean pessimistic uh, while like cautiously optimistic, which I think really plays into how this season's going so far. Uh, you know, it feels kind of like a roller coaster. Been an we're at the halfway point at time of recording, so it's the uh, home run derby tonight. So we're, yep. we're halfway through. I just realized um, my my youngest son really wants to go to the Cubs. He wants to go see Wrigley Field because I've said it's my favorite stadium ahead of Fenway, but only just. It's so close. One and two. Those Wrigley just slightly edges it for me. I realized last time I went was with Mason, and um, oh, wow. they had the they had the numbers up like how many years since the World Series. It was like 108 or something. Yep. So I, I don't know if they if they reset that, but if they did, I'm guessing it's going to be like six when if we get to go to it all set 
don't know if they still do that, but yeah. I don't know. We uh, I was just in Chicago recently, but uh, too early for baseball, unfortunately. It also yeah. snowed while we were there, but uh, hoping to go back and, and get to regulate at some point. Fenway's great. I've had two good experience. Well, one good experience, one bad experience. Uh, one great seat with a view and one obstructed seat. So, uh, you know, yeah. lessons learned with the old baseball stadiums. I had obstructed view for my first game of the Cubs, and I didn't know, but I didn't care. It was um, Cubs versus Red Sox. It was the oh, first wow. time they'd played in like 100 years. I got a seat for 40. Guy on a bike rolled by. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I'll take it. And I was like, oh, my God. I just got I just you got, got caught there, right? This is gonna be, yeah. And I got there, and there was a – I didn't. I got in the stadium. I'm like, oh, this is great. And then as I sat down, I was like, oh, there's a bar halfway <laughs> in front of my – it was fine. You could move to – you could move your neck to the side and still yeah. see it. And actually, it added character. I wouldn't have changed that for anything. For me, that made that far more memorable, having that obstructed view, which you don't really get at many other stadiums. Yeah. Most definitely. Yeah. No, that's awesome, man. I mean, worst case, take some ibuprofen after the game, work that, you know, crick out of your neck, you're good to go. <laughs> now, I, I, I know, we know your favorite team. Any favorite yeah. players? Uh, yeah, so, well, I guess two things. For a long time, I really liked Brady Anderson because uh, my dad got uh, – so my dad was in the Secret Service. He, for some reason, got, like, a signed Brady Anderson bat through, like, some fundraiser there. So I had that. He was an outfielder. I played in the outfield in – T-ball and, you know, coach pitch and then, you know, kid pitch and everything kind of growing up. So I was like, oh, this is amazing. Uh, lo and behold, realized that guy was juiced out of his mind towards the back end of his career to hit all those home runs. And you're like, okay, maybe not. But uh, as far as Red Sox players goes, first love for sure, Jacoby Ellsbury. Uh, loved how fast he was. Loved that he was a center fielder, similar to me. Um, if you look back at his scouting report, uh, one of the highlights, or I guess like lowlights, was he didn't have like a super strong or accurate arm. And I wasn't a kid throwing people out from center field at home plate. So I was like, hey, like this guy kind of plays to my skill sets. Not that I'm going to be in the major leagues, but I'm like, this is someone I can relate to. Uh, kind of loved his story. And I mean, call out here. Uh, you will know this, but he was also the first taco hero uh, in MLB history where he stole a base, stole a taco. So everyone was eligible for a free t- uh, taco from Taco Bell uh, against the Rockies. I think it was in 2007. So uh, forever cemented a place in my fast food lover's heart. Man, that's a blast from the past. I'd forgotten that. I think I don't know if they still do it, but yeah, it was like, yep. was it for stealing home or is it? No, he stole first to second, if I recall correctly. Okay. So yeah, I seem to remember some promotion. If anyone ever stole home the next day that they, because uh, obviously that's kind of a rare thing in baseball. But wow, that's bringing back a memory. Yeah. I'd, uh, yeah totally. Well, the, the Red Sox promotion that I crack up and I see every time they lose is uh, now it's like a banner behind home plates, like Red Sox win, kids eat free. And it's just 24-7. Kids are always hungry this season, so I feel kind of bad. But, uh, yeah, that's less of a fun promo than steal a base, steal a taco. That's still, that's still pretty good. All right, well, you told me about – I was going to ask you as well, did you play Little League? But, yeah, I guess you uh, – you're Yeah, that played Little League um, for a long time uh, or just played, just played baseball a long time. So growing up in Northern Virginia, basically, it was spring ball, fall ball. And then for me, it turned into basketball uh, in the wintertime, kind of in between. But uh, so I'm left-handed. Played a lot of first base, played a lot of outfield. Pitching and I did not mesh. I think every time I pitched, I hit a kid. Uh, so uh, that was not my deal. Um, was pretty good defensively, I feel like. Brutal. I don't think I could pitch. Like, if I hit somebody, no. I would have so much guilt that I would never want to pitch again. I would be like, oh, no, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to do that. I promise. It was just a bad pitch. This is coming from the kid who – I'm going to say it's soccer because I'm American. But uh, the first 
and only game I played in organized soccer. Kicked a kid, he cried, I cried, my parents were like, this isn't for you. So you add in the aspect of just being told, oh, just go up there and play catch with the catcher, and then you just beam kid after kid after kid, because you're not even trying to. It's like yeah. literally target fixation. So it wasn't for me. Um, but yeah, like I was saying, pretty good defensively, I think, and uh, like, you know, transition as an adult to playing beer league softball, basically. But uh, needed glasses, still couldn't hit. And uh, yeah, just never really felt comfortable up at the plate. So uh, the dreams of doing like varsity uh, baseball and all that stuff, like quickly flew out the window. Um, and yeah, I, I, at high school with you, transitioned to just running around a track and playing lacrosse. So, uh, but yeah, still really like baseball, still play softball. I don't know, like it, the game is just generally fun. I think I'm going to wait a few years because I think once I hit 50, I, I think at that point, if I join like an over 50s league, I think I could it. probably, I think I could hack that. Like, oh, I, yeah. play, I didn't play baseball really at all in any way, shape or form. I played a few times at college, yeah. which does not mean the same thing as it means in America at all. Um, but yeah, I'm thinking by the time I get to 50, I'm like, it's got to be, <laughs> that athleticism has got to be scaled down quite a it's lot. That, yeah. might be, uh, that might be when I start entering disc golf tournaments as well. <laughs> I think that might give me a better hey you know better chance i know my skills are declining as well but yeah you know as best you can but uh yeah i mean i don't know Uh, outside of that i uh i don't know i've had some like pretty cool highlights with baseball i'm not sure if this is relevant for the pod but uh some standout moments for me got to go to steven strasburg's debut against the pirates at nats park um saw him struck out 14 uh pirates which is pretty cool and then mm-hmm. one of the more recent moments that's been pretty cool is I was able to go to, uh, I mean, not that I'm a big fan of like the retirement tours, but I got to go see uh, David Ortiz in his final season at AT&T Park um, when they played the Giants, which was pretty dope. Uh, so, you know, having a Dungeness Crab sandwich while seeing kind of the crowd, uh, you know, give Ortiz an ovation was pretty, was really cool. So. I think, spoiler alert, but it's going to be pretty obvious that probably in about two weeks' time, once he gets his Hall of Fame induction, that will, that will definitely be my good cop moments. There's no, yeah. there's no doubt. There's no doubt about it. Um, Jackson's middle name is David just because That's he was so cool. a few months after he was World Series MVP. Yeah. And Mason's the same. Uh, he was born a few months after Mike Lowell was MVP. So his middle name's Lowell for the same reason. And um, that's it. <laughs> I yeah. know they've won World Series since, but yeah, no, they, yeah, so David Ortiz is kind of significant. Um, yeah. yeah, I'm hoping he can wear 34 at some point. I got to find, I'm already thinking, well, this is way, way in the future. He's eight years old. I'm already thinking, like, should I get him a David Ortiz jersey for his 34th oh, yeah. birthday? <laughs> Why not? I think that'd this be so like sick. This one. Like, I'm thinking of, I saw they had some souvenirs already, because obviously with him being in the Hall of Fame, they're starting to get that much. So, like, should I just put that away for like 25 years? I'm thinking I'm about eight. it. It'd be pretty sweet, uh, you know, in worst case, you find it in like 36 years and it's like, hey, your 34th birthday just keeps on giving. Like, here you go, man. Like, ha- have it. Got mothballs in it. I think <laughs> I'll need to <laughs> protect it pretty well. But yeah. Hey, <laughs> yeah. we've done a lot for this intro. How about we get to, into the, the heart of the matter? Let's go and talk some uh, good cop moments. I uh, guess always get to go first as a courtesy. So, Ryan, what is your main good cop moment of doesn't have to be of this week of any time frame you like? Sure. Yeah. So, again, I, I, I interpret the the long good cop take kind of as uh, just something that's really got me stoked. And it's definitely for the first half of this season. So um, I, I feel like just generally speaking, Shohei Tani's season has been a blast to follow along with so far this year. Um and I love that recently, as of this last week, he's now the favorite for AL MVP and uh, like in terms of betting odds and stuff like that and passing Aaron Judge like that. Obvious reasons that makes me very happy. I think 
the reason this is like a really cool take is because or like something that inspires me is again having historic season it's been really cool to grow up in an era with him and players like trout and to see kind of these generational players play as like a child going in adulthood um the only thing that kind of surprises me is and i'm hoping this changes which is like my futuristic good cop take would be I feel like a lot of people generally know when like a LeBron James does something or a Tom Brady does something when it comes to historical significance or something along those lines. But I feel like that's not a hundred percent happening with baseball, but I like really hope that it does and gives me like, you know, again, a positive outlook for the ability for the game to grow even within the U S market. Um, because I don't know, I, I, I just feel like everyone should marvel at like his box scores or anything coming out of the game that he pitches in or hits in. I just I can't think of when we're going to see another player like this, and also tying into what's happening with Juan Soto. If he's turning down four hundred forty million dollars, what is someone going to have to do for Otani? Like they're going to have to be like, hey, just here's a franchise, and I think that's super cool for a guy to secure himself, uh, you know, secure kind of his future like that. So yeah, really long winded take on Otani, but uh, a huge huge fan, and uh, it's just been a blast to follow along, even though I'm not on the West Coast anymore. I saw that story um, of. Um... I already forgot. I already forgot his name. The Nationals player. Um, I saw it. Yeah. Once. Thank you. Um, I saw it break, and I showed it to Jackson. I was like, "Player turns down four hundred and forty million," and the look on his face was like, "What?" (laughs) But then I looked. Fifteen years. Like I've not heard of a contract for fifteen years. Like I I think Bryce Harper's is thirteen years. I want to say, and that was like thirteen. Like, what are you doing? Um, so I can understand actually. Fifteen years wanting five hundred million. You think how much the top players are earning? Now I'm not saying he's a Mike Trout. I'm not putting him on par with him. I'm not putting him on par with Otani as well. But you imagine what the fees are worth now, and then start scaling that forward. That's not going to look quite so good. It was like less thirty million a year. Once he gets ten years in the future. I just I'm just relating this to I'm thinking of like the basketball players like mm-hmm. this is me this is me where I really show my age like I'm thinking of top basketball players earning like 10 15 million a year and then now oh, yeah. you look at those max contracts and it's like 45 a year and it's like whoa so I can kind of understand him wanting a, I think and also he has the super eight I think he has Boris as his agent I think so he, I think he's gonna get more um, but I can understand him wanting 10 million a year but perhaps just for sorry 30 million a year but perhaps for 10 years and then renegotiate or, or just some so I can when I first saw it I was like whoa that's really greedy but at the same time I can kind of understand it but if he gets injured in the next few weeks or something he could end up with nothing so that is really Oh my gosh, I would feel so sorry if that you don't wish injuries on anybody, but 440 million is a lot to turn down. But I, I can kind of, at the same time, though, the Nationals are terrible right now. So Mike Trout, I love, but his Angels are not winning anything. So, I, yeah, and I think, you know, we might be deviating from like the good cop take outlook of this, but I do think that's kind of like a, a note that I skipped where it's like, albeit folks like Otani and Trout are kind of wasting their prime away on the Angels positive spin to it is at least they're playing baseball in a way that we can watch them because that's been that's been just absolutely fascinating and but yeah nothing's also more frustrating than being like oh i, I love like the viral tweet that went around recently where it's like you know oh mike trout hit for the cycle otani hit for four home runs angels still lose like 11 to 5 and you're just like what the heck is going on out there man like it makes no sense so it's true it's yeah. true 
I'm going to do a little plug. JGB Sports Podcast, episode 16, which dropped today, um, actually reviews both of the Orioles games that we attended on um, uh, July 6th and July 9th. July 6th was a special one. He got to go behind the scenes. He got to sit in the scorer's box. He got to sit in the commentary box. So he gives his take on that. And um, the 9th was the Angels, because he wanted to see the Angels. Now, it was expensive to go and see a couple of days, because it was like the the floppy hat day. Oh, yeah. It was like the Hawaiian shirt day. So, of course, that jacks the tickets up because people are like well i'm getting a game and i'm getting an up so anyway we went on the sunday but i'm pretty sure on the thursday trout was three for five with a home run otani was three for five with a home run and then they lost whatever it was nine to four or something so it's it's unfortunately it's absolutely true now i did actually think i like i know otani is jackson's favorite player and i was like oh i should buy him an otani angels jersey like he would love that but i'm like i don't think he's staying i don't think he's staying he only has 18 months left on his contract I think that is the interesting thing because, you know, compared to the Juan Soto uh, discussion where it's like he probably wants an AAV higher than what the Nationals would give him over the 15 years. Otani is interesting because he is older. So the arguably he's going to want a similar or higher AAV for his contract. But the duration for the contract he's probably going to get is not going to be 15 years. It's probably not going to be 10 years. I, I don't I don't know what it's going to be, but I could see it being somewhere in like that eight eight year range. Maybe I, I don't know. But it is going to be interesting to see kind of like what the what the duration of the next contract is. And it's also going to be an indicator of does he want to win or does he just want to get paid? Or is he like striking the line between the two, basically? How old is Otani? Do you know? Oh, I want to say he's 28, but I could be mistaken. Okay. Yeah. I'm really not sure. And that so might be actually it might years. be super old. Uh, your viewers are going to lambast me with this. I, I honestly don't know. No, whew, 28, thank God. 1994, oh, I was cool. not wrong. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, you yeah. called it. That was good. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, no, he's not getting anything. like. But yeah, just the fact that on both sides of the plate, it's ridiculous. And I don't remember if I mentioned this stat on the podcast, so I'm going to repeat it. In the last 50 years, it's definitely the last 50. It might have been since World War II, but I'm definitely going to say the last 50. With runners in scoring position, he has the highest slugging percentage of any player who's batting. And he's also, as a pitcher, with runners in scoring position in the last 50 years, the pe- people bat- slugging off him, it's the lowest of any pitcher in the last 50 years. That's absolutely ridiculous. I don't think people appreciate Otani. If I'm talking to people in England, I don't think they realize how good of a player he is. Like, he's continually breaking records every single day. And it's borderline, like, swept under the rug as if it's no big deal in any form of, like, sports news cycle, which is kind of why where it's like, hey, hopefully the game continues to grow because people like him should be getting recognized, like, the Peyton Mannings, like, again, the LeBron James and the Michael Jordans of the world so far, because while it's still a young MLB career, like, just holistically baseball career, this guy is a machine. And very methodical. And I think some of maybe the hype died away, obviously, when he got injured early on and coming over here. But still, it's like, give this guy his flowers. Like, he continually performs in just, I don't know, like the, I guess like regular season isn't high stakes, but the highest stakes he's been exposed to since coming over and and does incredibly well. So, I don't know. It's. I think the other stat I saw, and the dates aren't perfect, but it was like since June 3rd, when Shohei pitches, he's 6-0. So six wins and zero losses. When Shohei doesn't pitch, it's 6-25. 
So six wins, the same amount of wins from the whole roster, but 25 losses to go with it. Um, he's that dominant. I think he's averaging like over 10 strikeouts a game for his last six or seven games as well. I know one game was like 13. Yeah. It's just ridiculous how good he is on both sides. I think the only record he can't beat, and I can't remember, it's a Baltimore player, so you might be able to help me out here. I'm pretty sure his last name is Wise. Um, he pitched a no-hitter, and he hit two home runs in the same game. I can't Ooh. see him beating that record, but that everything else, um, I could see him like breaking everything. So the only reason I'd say I agree with you is because probably due to pitcher management, you know, and pitch counts and things like that. It, I, I feel like I actually, I mean, I don't know the angels. I don't know. I, I feel like that would be like the deterrent. He could definitely blow the two home runs out of the water. I feel <laughs> like if you really wanted to, which is just insane to say about a pitcher. Yeah. Um, but yeah. But to get a no-hitter on the same day, that's got to be tough. Yeah, it's got to be hard. That's got to be that's hard. That's got to be ridiculously tough. Yeah. Um, I am interested. I didn't realize this. Apparently, when he came over, the Dodgers made him a bigger offer than what the Angels did. Uh, but at that time, it was um, it was the designated hitter and then the pitcher bats. From the so they had different rules, which is why he wants to go into the American League. But now both sides have the DH. He could be open to potentially any of those teams. Um, I have to say, though, and I hate to say this, please don't go to the Yankees. I, I, I honestly think he's going to the Yankees right now. I, so, I, I want to go to the Dodgers. <laughs> I want to I, yeah, the, I'd rather so. see him go to the Dodgers, who just seem to be able to afford to pay for everyone at all times, no matter what. Um, it would be a big bummer to see him go to the Yankees, but maybe that means like, hey, if we keep Devers and he turns into Garrett Cole 2.0 and, you know, we're saying like, hey, who's your daddy kind of a thing to uh, Otani, I would feel a little bit bad about it, but also feel fine. So we'll see what happens. All right. Now, while I was preparing my notes for this, I'm actually preparing two episodes simultaneously. I'm, okay. I'm going to record tomorrow, um, but I've just realized that's All-Star Game. So I got to contact our guest and go, do you want to do Wednesday instead? <laughs> I'm not sure if he's intending watching the All-Star Game or not. Um, I saw this probably about um, about a week ago, and I was like, oh, that's an interesting story. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I have to talk to Ryan about this. Now, yeah. one of the things we talked about on MGB is you're known for your food challenges. Oh, yeah. yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Um, I can't remember how many nuggets you had to eat in an hour. Can you remind us? Yeah. So uh, I've done a chicken McDonald's, to be specific. Uh, sponsorship would be welcome, I imagine, for good cop, bad cop baseball, if you all want to get in on that. So just, uh, you know, hit us up. But um, yeah, I've done two challenges, uh, basically both times trying to eat 80 chicken nuggets in an hour. All right. So my good cop moment of the week is, and once again, this is just, this could be any time at all. This story yeah. goes back way beyond that. Have you heard of the 999 challenge? No, I haven't, but I'm excited oh, to learn about it. I haven't heard of the 999 challenge earlier. I saw it on Twitter and it was a quick little clip of it and somebody explained it. And then I was suddenly like, oh, I, I got to talk to Ryan about this. I'm going to do okay. some research. All right, let me get to my, it would have been helpful if I'd got my notes in the right place for this one. All right, so the 999 challenge is, you eat nine hot dogs, you right. drink nine beers, and you do it in a nine-inning game. Oh, that's if easy. If goes to extras, you don't continue playing. You have to finish everything before the final out. So if the home team's winning, of course, technically you only have eight and a half innings to do this. Now, there's no real rules for this as far as I can tell. Um, at Dan Clark Sports has his own rules for this one. He said his rules were eight of the nine hot dogs must have at least one condiment. Okay. Uh, you must have the entire beer and hot dog must be consumed before it counts. No half credit. Yep. Challenge ends when the final out is made. That seems fair. And you're disqualified if you puke. I was like, okay, that seems reasonable. Uh -oh. 
Now, the size of the beer, I couldn't figure that one out. Um, I did see one person have, um, they had three 16-ounce beers, and they said that's the same as four 12-ounce beers, yep. so I'm counting that as four. So I think that it's a 12-ounce beer. I feel like 12-ounce beer is pretty standard for stadium pours, so that's doable. Um, so when I was in Oakland, um, the San Jose Barracudas there, the farm team for, or the minor league hockey team for the San Jose Sharks, they would do dollar hot dog, two dollar yeah. beer nights. Yeah. And in two periods of hockey, I've eaten seven hot dogs. So <laughs> I'm pretty confident. Uh, and I mean, but I was so I was driving, so I only had two beers there. Sure. But I'm uh, quite confident that with a full nine innings, especially if you give me like a historically slow game, like a Red Sox Yankees game where it's like, oh, oh this is going to be a four hour affair. That's that's a cakewalk. I actually think not to over, like tout myself, but I could probably maybe not double digit beers, but I could double digit hot dogs. I think so. If y'all okay. want to try that out at one point, let me know. Well, okay, that's one of my questions further down the line. I was going to ask you about tactics, and you came with one of mine straight away. You'd want to do this on Dollar Dog Night. Um, a lot of people for the video that I saw were like, "Oh my god, that's going to be like two hundred dollars just no. for the." And I'm thinking, that's uh, yeah, beers. You're paying at least ten dollars a beer probably at that stadium, or well, that guy was anyway. Oh yeah. Um. Hot dogs, I guess if you get a cheap hot dog, you could probably get for $5. So it doesn't say you have to do it at a stadium. You you can do it. And one person said they were oh. doing it. They were like, we're not paying that. We're going to just do it in our own house. I'm like, well, that makes a lot of sense. I was kind of wondering what tactics you would have. So it doesn't have to be one hot dog each inning. It's just by the end of the game, you got to have nine. See, I wanted to talk to you because I'm actually... I don't think I've ever drunk nine beers in a week. But this kind of <laughs> for me was kind of like, oh, this sounds kind of interesting. It's been a while since I drank nine beers in, in a sitting, uh, unless it's been like a maybe like an ugly sweater Christmas bar crawl type of a situation. But I'd say for the hot dogs, the condiments is easy. For me, I actually would be fine doing two. It would be a line of ketchup, line of mustard. I don't do relish just because I do think uh, obviously got a little bit of solid in there, but I also am not a big pickle fan. Um, uh, no, che- no cheese or anything or no chili or anything like that. It just keep it pretty oh, basic. But yeah. I, I think my tactic is I literally go up to if I'm at, if I am at a stadium I am going up and saying what is the maximum number of hot dogs you will sell me and I buy said maximum number of hot dogs and then uh, yeah I probably just go like beer by beer by beer. Um, we were but, the Asheville yeah. tourists recently and they had dollar hot dog night. We didn't get to see a single picture of the game it got rained out but they had dollar hot dog night so we're like we'll just make our money in hot dogs if it gets rained out which it did. So yeah. we're like how many can we get at once because I said Mason come with me Jackson come with me and they're yeah. like you can get as many as you want so we're like all right starts off with six so if you could start because that's, that's going to take time as well like if you've got to keep oh, going yeah. the session stand if you're doing it live at a game I, I don't think that's ideal you're going to miss so much of that game. Yeah, you'd have to pick a. They're not give you. They're not going to give you nine beers at once. They're only. I think it's two. I think they'll let you have at once. So unless you got somebody there who's helping you, I think it's much easier to do it at home. But I would probably want to do like a. I'd probably want to like fund a beer runner and be like, like, okay, hey, like I'm almost like basically what I do when I go to Dublin in Ireland. It's like okay, start pouring the second Guinness type of a thing. Like, hey, can you go get in line and help me out here? But. yeah, the hot dog stuff, definitely get as much up front. The drinks, you just got to figure out. You got to go to a game where you just don't care. It's like low stakes or probably like you're just visiting the stadium for the sake of visiting the stadium. 
All right, so that was what I looked at. So Mike on Bottlegate.com, he said my try, my strategy was I try to keep everything equal. So he had one hot dog, one beer, second mm. hot dog, second beer, and he's like, that's definitely not the way to do it. So I yeah. messed up big time. Carbonation said, I, in the beer. It's a it's the same reason when I do. Sorry to interrupt, but it's the same no, reason when could. I do the nugget challenge. You don't pair it with a soda. You don't get like a coke or anything. You got to do the carbonation after the fact, in my opinion. Yeah, he said that if I would do it in high sight, I would have four beers. Uh, sorry, I would have four hot dogs, and then I would start on the beers. Yep. And uh, after that also, he said, after about an hour, this is when he did it his way. After about an hour, the hot dogs built up and mixed with the beer. And by the sixth inning, I felt like I had an anvil in my stomach. I felt <laughs> like the blobfish. If you're going to try this at home, I suggest getting six or seven hot dogs down right off the bat. That way you can coast to nine beers if you keep up a good pace. But no, as the ex, I, like that. I was like, I love this challenge anyway and had never heard of it. I found examples of this going back to 2010 on the internet. So I was like, okay, this is a long thing. But I was like, I have to talk to you about this. Um, the other the other thing about this person who did this, um, last Friday I went to Pizza Hut by, by my work and had their pizza buffet for lunch. Terrible mm. idea. Uh, it's not smart to eat eight pieces of pizza for lunch when you start doing an eating challenge later that night so um yeah that would definitely be that uh, next time i attempt the 999 diet i'll be on a strict diet leading up to that night's game yeah i put down in my notes like i was thinking of tactics uh yeah dollar night's got to be doing it um matt hurst from 2011 uh he listed all the details from him uh the calories from the hot dog 1530 uh calories from the buns 900 calories from the beer 9900 uh ketchup zero calories uh oh, sorry mustard zero calories ketchup minimal total 3780 calories uh with 1300 of those coming from fat and this sounds like a, a terribly big number 8700 and 89 milligrams of sodium <laughs> no there's no puffing up like roadkill <laughs> so this is like the least healthy thing uh, you could possibly do uh he said to put that into perspective we'd have to run 288.5 minutes at a five mile an hour pace just to get back to where we were during the national anthem um i mentioned this to uh, jackson <laughs> not because i want him to drink nine bit but I, I was like i was interested to see what he thought about it he is totally up for this i was like all right we need to think of a kid's version of this as well so we already discussed this a little bit i think root beer instead of beers oh, yeah probably smaller size he's not really a hot dog i can't ask a kid to eat nine hot dogs that's the one we're struggling on right now what would be something that would be over the top um but not <laughs> torturous to a kid and will not get me killed by my wife i'm curious could you do like a uh instead of just like nine of the thing could you do like an own like a different challenge where it's like you, you eat the cycle so it's like okay what's on the menu it's like you eat a hot dog you eat a hamburger you eat a chicken fingers and you eat like a nachos and then you, you know, do your like four or five root beers or whatever you want to do during that and uh, kind of like put a kid spin on it to be like, I don't just. That might be, uh, yeah, that might be the way we get around it. Or if I could give him, give him nine peanuts. Nine packs of peanuts. <laughs> yeah, nine packs of peanuts. I think we're going to have to give that one a little bit more fun. Now, this I'm really disappointed about. While I was doing my research, I was so yeah. excited by this. There is supposed to be a website that's called 999allstar.com. They have official rules, a okay. hall of fame, and gear. I was like, I'm on this. Clicked on it, website not found. I was like, oh, oh. oh, oh. Like, I wanted to see how many people had done this. I want to know who the people in the Hall of Fame are. Like, I was dying to find out who those were. Couldn't find it out. And then as I'm writing this, I was like, shoot, I really want to do this. Oh, yeah. So I started piecing this together in my head. And I was like, oh, what's the perfect date to do this on? September 9th, 9-9. Do the 9-9-9 challenge on 9-9. It's a Friday. Um, one of the games that's on that day is Red Sox Orioles. <laughs> 
Mm. Now, I don't think I can get that because it might be blacked out, but I might be able to subscribe to something just so I can get that. I don't know. Um, my other wonder was, could I get someone else who wanted to do it? Could I do this live on the podcast, perhaps get nine guests as well, so I could have somebody join me for one inning at a time? We can do a watch-along of the game. I am totally open for suggestions for this one, but I definitely want to do the 9-9 challenge at some point. I think that would be great. And now that I'm like, my gears are grinding, the other rated aspect, under, the other underrated aspect we haven't talked about is what type of beer are you drinking? You're going to drink an IPA, it's going to be way heavier. You're going to be miserable. You're going to drink a Coors Light. I mean, you're drinking Coors Light, you're going to be miserable, but you're probably going to be better equipped. So no one offense to Coors. I think one person did say Miller Light. Oh. Light. They were like, we know it's not good, but it's the sensible option if you do yeah. this challenge. Um, I can't remember know. the guy at Nat Stadium drunk, but I think he was Michelob, and he got absolutely ripped for that choice. They were like, oh. no, you, you, you can't. It's like, if you can do nine Michelobes, then you deserve an award for that one. So. Yeah. Well, hey, let me know. I will check and see if I'm back from the Outer Banks at that point. And if so, uh, I'm, I'm all in. And if not, I'll just do the nine by nine by nine challenge on the yep. beach or something like that. You know, it'll be great. Uh, that, that's my main good cup. Once I heard that, I was like, now I knew I had you. Like, I was picking things this week for both my guests that were appropriate. Yeah. I was like, oh, this one's definitely on the Ryan segment. I was like, there is no doubt about it. <laughs> that's amazing, yeah. man. No, I appreciate it. I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to keep that in the back of my head because, yeah, I would be down to do some practice ahead of time to see if I can make it happen. I am shocked that I'd never heard of that before. And I was <laughs> yeah, me too. Back so far as well. Like, yeah, like I said, I found things from 12 years ago when I was looking it up online. <sighs> That's it's been around a long time, but yeah, I hadn't heard it before. Yeah. All right, speed cop moment. If there's anything that we, anything that you want to talk about for around ninety seconds, two minutes, I'm not setting the timer. Anything else you <laughs> considered a good cop moment this week? Uh, yeah. So gonna hit you with probably six or no five quick things here. One, um, Jeter Downs hitting his first career home run in Yankee Stadium off of Garrett Cole. Loved it. Big fan. Uh, are, you know, depending on your fandom, first or second best Jeter to do that. Um, second, I don't know if you've seen this, but, uh, like I follow a lot of like pitching ninja and like, uh, codifying baseball and stuff on Twitter, but there's this recent trend where there's going to be baseball clips of some infielder firing an absolute rocket to first base. And I just love to see when they're like, this is how fast that throw was. So case in point, um, I think it was literally Saturday or Sunday. There was a tweet where like a Cardinals prospect of, uh, was playing shortstop and threw a 101 or 100.1 mile per hour throw from shortstop to first base. Like, holy crap, that's crazy. <laughs> but also, I, I, that's amazing. Like, inject it straight into my veins. I love that. That's just, like, really cool highlights. Um, let's see here. Uh, uh, we've talked about the Orioles. So, again, let's give them some praise. I think, uh, basically, if I recall correctly, since, like, the middle of June. So, you've seen them during this window. Um, they yep. have the best record in all of baseball. I yep. think that's a lot of fun, especially given the very obvious lack of payroll that they're, yep. they're footing right now. Yep. Um, second to last thing here is the AL East is stacked. This is my Red Sox bias here, but I'm, I checked last night, uh, but I'm pretty sure it's still accurate. No team is going into the all-star break in the AL East with a losing record. Everyone's 500 above. It's a murderer's row of baseball as far as I'm concerned, which I think is great. Um, other good cop quick take that starts out negative, but ends positive. Red Sox are 12 and 26 against teams in the AL East, but I'm still optimistic for the back half of the season. We'll see what happens, but uh, that number's a little bit startling. But again, like reason to hang in there and just see, you know, baseball starts at the all-star break is kind of the cliche. So we'll see. So yeah, that's the stuff that kind of stood out to me and kind of had me hyped up. 
the uh, player that you talked about for the uh, Cardinals, that stat I did see as well. And the reason it stuck out to me even more was on the previous episode of JGB, we talked about, and I can't remember the player's name, but the fastest one in MLB history was just thrown last week. It was like 98.1. Oh, was that guy from second to first, right? Or... I'm not sure how okay. it listed it, but it was just um, the throw to first. So yeah. I'm not sure whether they measure it, how they measure that exactly. But that record had just been beat. Some of the people in the comments for that one were like, geez, he needs to take a little bit off that. Is he trying to hurt the first baseman? And they're like, it's a future thing. You're trying to show your talents off. So I think most people were more impressed the fact that, gee, look at the arm on that guy, rather than did he really need to throw it that fast? No, he didn't need to throw it that fast. But he's trying to put up the stats. So no, I can uh, totally see why he did it's, that. It's a pro for both scouting reports. The infielder has a heck of a cannon for an arm. First baseman caught a – or not a pitch. Jeez, that's where your mind goes. But caught a throw that he shouldn't even have to be dealing with at that point in time. So it's like win-win for both of them. Show off. Have some fun with it. I, I mean, I like the flashy aspects of baseball at this point in time with this generation. It's great. Yeah, I love seeing stats like that. Um, for me, as it's home run derby night as we're recording, um, I saw this clip from 2004. Um, you obviously know that they get there, they choose their own pitchers and they throw yeah. it to them. I didn't know this one. I must have. I think I was back in England. Uh, no, actually, I wasn't back in England for this one. No, but I missed it. You would have been here because I was in high school. Yeah. Yeah, in 2004, um, the pitcher intentionally walked Barry Bonds. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's amazing. Barry's there waiting, left-handed, waiting to swing, and the catcher stepped to the side, and they intentionally walked it. I thought that was a really funny moment I hadn't seen. Um, As I was thinking about that, I was trying to think, what are my moments from this? And Chris Berman, I I love his calls watching them. It's like, back, 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 back. I didn't realize where that came from. While I was looking up, I wanted to check, did he say back, 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 back? gone or was it just back 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 and i couldn't remember anyway while i was looking up um i didn't realize why he did that so this is from justin colombo from the turf in 2020 uh berman's derby catch is actually an homage to red barber uh the voice of the reds the voice of the dodgers voice of the yankees uh barber's call came in game six of the 1947 world series between the brooklyn dodgers and the new york yankees as for me this is probably the most significant catch in world uh, world series history from what i can remember all things i've heard talked about um it was a joe hit and fastball joe dimaggio hit it to left center and Gianfrido was backing up to get it and it looked like he had no chance of getting it and he did he managed to get it he managed to get the out so the quote was here's the pitch swung on belted it's a long one back goes Gianfrido back 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 oh he makes a one-handed catch against the bullpen oh doctor so actually it was an homage to Red Barber which I did not know about at all so I really liked that there was a bit more history to that one from a really old World Series. And I mentioned on Twitter, I found something in the last 15 minutes before we were going online. Yeah. Uh, this is from Dave Fawcett on Inside Nova, which is a local uh, news um, producer. The Colorado Rockies chose Battlefield High School graduate Zach Agnos in the 10th round of the 2022 MLB oh, draft. Uh, he was a two-way pitcher for East Carolina, where he batted 330 uh, with seven home runs and also 3-0 as a relief pitcher in 21 appearances. Um, Agnes was named to two all-team, all two all-American teams this season, and made the 26-player collegiate national baseball team. He is the second member of the family to be drafted. The New York Yankees picked his older brother Jake in the fourth round of 2019, which I did not know about. Wow. Um, Zach was originally um, only ranked as 462, so he went over 150 places higher than what he was supposed to do. And the real reason it was exciting for me is. We got to talk to him about just about two, three weeks ago. And when we were at the Durham Bulls, we were actually at that game where it was Stars versus Stripes. At the end of the game, you could talk to all the players. You get autographs from anyone you want, high five. So we talked about the fact because we said, hey, we're from this area, blah, blah, blah. Gotcha. So we had a chat with him. So great to see him doing well. And um, 
Jackson's really excited that Jackson Holiday went number one in the draft. Yeah, behind. I saw that. And the one I saw super late, even late in this, Mike Trout has uh, announced he's going to be captaining Team USA in the World Baseball Classic next oh, year. Man. I talked about the World Baseball Classic on last week's episode. Uh, I didn't realize they were going to get players like Mike Trout represented. Um, that suddenly upped the stakes on that one a lot. So I'm even more excited for the World Baseball Classic. I can only imagine the quality. If players like that are being picked, it'll be a, it'll be a joy for sure. That's awesome. I feel like that's going to start approaching kind of like the uh, old Olympics, like a dream team, you know, style where they're like, okay, we're tired of like having the USA not have like a good show and let's bring in the big guns kind of a thing, which could be really cool. All right. Well, we did the fun side, but I got it with everything. There's a good and a bad. So let's bring on those bad cop moments. Bad. All right. You're up first about what caught your attention. So... Yeah. Besides the Yankees beating the Red Sox by uh, probably about 15 games ahead of us right now. Besides that. <laughs> yeah, I think this is even bigger picture than that. And it is relatively recent. But um, for me, it's I think John Henry is preparing to disappoint Red Sox fans yet again. Um, and this is kind of based on his recent comments about how it, and I quote, takes two to sign a contract. And how he went into this, I don't know, prolonged explanation about how it's not always the Red Sox front office or the Red Sox organization that fails uh, when they don't sign a player. Um, For me, this means I'm basically preparing mentally and emotionally for Xander to be traded and for at least in the short term, possibly medium term, long term, no deal for Devers. Um, And basically this, you know, reopens all the confusing scars following the Mookie Betts ordeal who, you know, after Ellsbury be, quickly became, like, one of my favorites, just because, again, Red Sox outfielders and I have a weird, like, love affair, I guess. And so it's really frustrating to see folks or really good players who became kind of like, you know, uh, household names for the Red Sox basically get priced out of a actual big market team. Um, and yeah, it totally gives me like some form of like weird Stockholm syndrome where I'm like, oh, well, no, maybe Boston isn't actually a big market, but it's like, no, wake up. It is a big market. We just have, you know, folks who don't really want to shell out for it and kind of hide behind the fact that I think from the outside looking in, it feels like they're just not willing to kind of go that extra mile to keep someone. So, um, yeah, really bummed by that. And, you know, obviously, like I mentioned earlier at the start of the pod, Cautiously optimistic, but definitely skewed pessimistic in scenarios like this when language is coming out from John Henry. And as a Liverpool fan who Liverpool are owned by FSG as well, then there's similarities there as well. The thing that gives me hope is I did not expect Mohamed Salah to rejoin Liverpool. With him having 12 months left on his contract, I'm like, he's, and he's already said, I'm prepared to play for another Premier League team. I'm like, oh my gosh. Here he's he goes again. Track down. Manchester City can afford him or Barcelona will come in or one of the PSG will come in that somebody will re-signed his contract they paid him top dollar like he's not the highest paid player in the premier league but i think he's top five now he's close I, and for somebody who's just turned 30 i did not see that coming so yeah. i am cautiously optimistic as well that hopefully they can get those deals done uh, big pappy came out this week and said they need to get those deals done as well so well there was just the clip of him uh using his money gun on uh mlb on fox or whatever saying pay the man and just spraying fake money all over xander so i'm like yes Put the pressure on them. Like, let people know that former players see the skills, see the ability, and recognize what this player means to the franchise. 
And I mean, the only thing I'd laugh is, yeah, as like someone who doesn't follow Premier League soccer, you can go on Twitter on any given day and see, you know, other <laughs> ignorant Americans like myself being like, oh, all FSG is doing is funding Liverpool. And then on the flip side, you see Liverpool fans who don't know anything about baseball, like, oh, all they're doing is funding the Red Sox. When in reality, we should be like, what are they doing with the money? They're not paying people on either side at times. Like, what's going on here? So I don't know, man. The devil's advocate would be they're funding the Penguins. <laughs> I think that's the third ranch they added in into the NHL. Um, now, I actually think, though, um, it, it is frustrating when you see teams with more money. So for soccer, it's Manchester City. For baseball, it's the New York Yankees being constantly able to be able to spend more. But at the same time, it, it is a business. And also, you've got to be sensible with this. There's plenty of teams who have gone not bankrupt, but Barcelona for soccer are really close. Yeah. They can't even pay wages right now. So you've got to be really careful. Um, I know Liverpool were very sensible during the pandemic. They were one of the few teams that managed to balance the books during that time. Um, but yeah, you don't want to get caught with um, lame duck contracts. <laughs> it, they can be pretty expensive. So um, yeah, now you kind of teed this up for me beautifully with one of the comments you made earlier, and I'm just going to segue into it nicely. Um, I was I wanted to talk about the Orioles, and I can't remember exactly how it came up. You know, what's up on, on YouTube when you kind of log in and it gives you suggested videos, mm -hmm. and um, I saw one about Chris Davis, and I kind of hey. talked to Jackson about it because he didn't really know who Chris Davis was because he wasn't really born when he was playing, or he would have been he would have been still crawling around the floor at that time. So I started off by looking at his figures, and um, oh my gosh, it, it's a sorry story. I didn't realize how long ago it was like i said i have some big gaps in my knowledge um i remember chris davis being good so oh, we got yeah. a little bit further than i actually was um originally i i thought we were going back so um yeah let's have a look so starting in home runs was obviously his big thing so in 2011 he only played 31 games so that's not really a count 2012 he hit 33 home runs that's a pretty impressive uh some rookie numbers right there yeah. 2013 53 home runs, 2014, 26 home runs, and then 2015, 47 home runs. And that was the tie. So he won the home run crown two of the previous three years, yeah. which is why in 2016, he had his eight-year $160 million contract. Now, obviously, I'm pretty good at math. I was like, 2016 plus eight, that's 2024. Oh, we're in 2022. Now, you mentioned the fact that their payroll is limited. So I was like, I wonder how much he actually takes off their payroll right now. All right, so let's take a look. Chris Davis is set to receive $42 million in deferred payments in a 15-year period from 2023 to 2037 mm. as a residual after effect of the seven-year, oh, sorry, seven-year $161 million contract he signed. Um, after receiving his full $23 million salary in 2022. All right, I'm going to pause right there. So, the fact I heard was that the Orioles basically their roster is 30 million this year of active players. I didn't realize that was Chris Davis. 23 million goes to Chris Davis and he won't even swing a bat. That's imagine if the Orioles had that extra money, like what they could do with that. that that's appalling. Um, from 2023 to 2025, he'll receive $9.16 million annually. From 2026 to 2032, 3.5 million and from 2033 until 2037 he'll receive 1.4 million annually at which point he'll be 51 years old now 
Wow. What went wrong with Chris Davis? Now, the strikeouts, for those numbers where I was giving home runs, he had 169 strikeouts his uh, rookie year, 199 next year, 173 the next year, and then 208 the next year. The problem was he was still getting the strikeouts, but he just wasn't getting the hits. His yeah. batting average in 2014 was 196, which should have been an alarm call straight away, yeah. uh, but it wasn't. And then after injuries, and you talked about somebody being juiced up earlier, uh, after he was caught out for being juiced up as well, uh, his batting average uh, was 215, 168, 179, and then the final season was 115. Um, I remember that last season. It was painful. I think he went like 50 game, uh, fifty at-bats without getting a hit at one point. It was just the most painful thing ever to watch. Um, so, yeah, bad comp at the moment. The contract that Chris Davis signed with the Orioles and the Orioles team having to suffer that for the next few years. Um, I know we talk about Bobby Bonilla Day. Um, I think Chris I'm, Day, I'm surprised that. I haven't heard of Chris Davis Day. But I think once that starts in uh, 2023 when he gets $9 million and then it decreases a little bit, I'm sure that'll be something that'll be appearing on Twitter. And they'll be mocking that just as frequently as they mock Bobby Bonilla. Not, not Bobby Bonilla. They'll be knocking the Mets for yeah. Bobby I think the Orioles will probably equally get mocked for this as well. But yeah, just a real shame. That Orioles team, if they had that money to put into that team right now, oh my goodness. I mean, that's rough. Looking at 2020, you see his batting average, 115. Oh my gosh. Slugging 173. And then you look at his salary of 23 million. That's a sharp decline. Yeah, the strikeout numbers are alarming. I mean, yeah. But I mean, yeah, geez. I, and you look at his career for 13 years, only a batting average of 233. If you had yeah. been like, hey, over under, Chris Davis's batting average is 250 or above, or a blow or above that, I, I would have assumed above that. But again, like rose tinted glasses, like I guess yeah. you just you you remember the best of it and clearly forget the 115, the 179, and the 168. Mm-hmm. Huh. Now. I got a now I did actually look what was the most strikeouts in a season. I think it was two twenty-five. So he didn't quite make the record. I think he, he had two nineteen was his worst season. Yeah. Now I got a bonus question for you, because often when I click on things, I find other things. Yeah. What is the most number of strikeouts in a game? Now I'm not talking from a pitcher's perspective. I'm from talking batter. about batter. Like you'd often hear like Chris a single batter. Like yeah, like Chris Davis went 0 for four with four strikeouts. So what's the most number of strikeouts do you think in a game? That's an interesting question. Uh, I don't know this off the head, top of my head, so if I'm taking a guess, I'm going to say 0 for 8. Wow, you nailed it. I would have thought within a time you're not likely to get 8 at-bats. The professional baseball record for strikeouts in a single game belongs to Khalil Lee, who is a member of the minor league Lexington Legends, oh. the affiliate of the Kansas City Royals, struck out 8 times in a 21-inning game Jeez. in 2017. So, obviously, he was helped by the fact the game went to 21 innings. But I was like, eight strikeouts in one game. I never would have guessed that. I would have gone as high as six. Uh, but I would never have gone anywhere even close to that one. But the, Also, the crazy part is, think of the quality of pitchers you're facing by the time you get to inning, say, 15. How are you still striking out if you're meant to be some form of like professional in the sport? That's a little concerning. I didn't even think about that side of it. You're right. Yeah. You're getting the first baseman who used to pitch in high school come in to save your bullpen because there's nobody left to come in. You're getting I, me who's just hitting people in middle school. <laughs> That's what you're getting. I don't think I talked about it as one of my good cop moments, but those pitchers coming in and throwing 40 miles an hour. Yeah. <laughs> I love watching that. I think it's hilarious. It's amazing. 
Oh, I know some geez. people don't like it, but I certainly like it. All right, and this is the uh, the quick run thing. Anything else that you considered a bad cop moment that you want to talk about? Uh, no, I feel like I've been hyper focused on the budget woes that I anticipate for the Red Sox. So uh, I was I was trying to be much more uplifting and and, and uh, I guess positive for the pod today rather than just beat down with the sadness and melancholy. Hey, that's uh, that, I'm calling that the high five Tom version. Whenever we ask him for moments, he always has he always has uh, good cop moments, but often he'll say for bad cop moments, no bad cop moments this week. Oh, so. love it. That's perfectly good. Uh, for me, um, as I was looking through for Chris Davis stuff, um, I saw the headline, Baseball Davis, nine strikeouts in a row. And I was like, oh, my God. Um, except the headlines from April 1986 <laughs> from the New York Times. And the Davis is actually Eric Davis. Oh. <laughs> the Cincinnati outfielder set a major league record tonight when he struck out for the ninth straight time. But the Reds overcame his misfortune to earn a 3-0 win. Um, I guess it's not very... I guess if your last name's Davis, uh, you might be prone to strikeouts. Uh, Davis, who tied a major league mark for a 10-inning game when he struck out five times tonight, had fanned four times Friday in an 11-inning game. He now holds the record for consecutive strikeouts in two games of more than nine innings. So, uh, yeah, it was just oh, ironic that I was looking for Davis and then that came up. And yeah. um, this is a very minor one, but I saw this on uh, minorleaguebaseball.com. I was interested in, because I talked last week with Micah about great uh, promotions. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, adults get to run the bases. I, I'm, yeah. like, I'm all in for things like this. So I wondered, I was like, oh, I wonder what bad promotions have actually happened. Now, I know that there's some really famous ones. Uh, Ten Cent Beer Night kind of springs yep. to mind instantly, yeah, yeah, yeah. as I talked about last week. Uh, but from the minor league one, uh, New Britain Rockcats, a failed marriage proposal. The team seeking to generate some publicity staged a failed between-inning marriage proposal. Failed oh, in, as she said, no. The stunt went viral with media outlets here and abroad fa- falling for the hoax. For some reason, we thought it was a good idea to come clean and let people know it wasn't a failed proposal, but a stroke of marketing and execution genius. It backfired. The story once again was covered all over the world, but as a scam and a hoax. And the real reason this isn't a bad cop moment, people were outraged, clearly crazy, and I received multiple email death threats. Like, what the heck? What? You got tricked and you received a death threat? I was like, oh my gosh. Mm. Um, People take certain sports too seriously. I think baseball is one that's generally a little bit lighter. But if you got tricked by something that happened in between innings of the game and you felt the need to send a death threat, um, that's clearly a bad cop moment as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, that I mean, whether you're seeing it in person getting fooled or on the Internet getting fooled, uh, I mean, I feel pretty comfortable in saying a death threat is never the right uh, course of action. But, hey, here we are. Uh, I have to say, I'm kind of surprised actually neither one of us brought up Chris Sale's finger. Um, <laughs> you know, I was trying to explain it to Jackson. Like, I saw it and I saw the lump on his hat. Oh, it looked like a lump on it. I was like, oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, I did most of my notes. You mentioned you did your research on Saturday. I did most of my research last week, with the exception of my short good cop moment. I didn't, I had kept adding little things in, but I didn't have oh, nice. Much. Because uh, I knew I had two episodes to do in two days, so I was like, I better start putting stuff together, or else I'm gonna be, I could be in trouble. So yeah, you gotta careful. That was why I did this. Yeah, yeah. Um, Chris Sale getting injured is definitely a, a bad cop moment for sure. Uh, yeah, <sighs> without a doubt. All right, the round that often gets overlooked on Good Cop, Bad Cop, uh, the open agenda round. It's, uh, yeah, it sometimes gets skipped. Sometimes it doesn't get the credit it deserves. But, yeah. Ryan, I know you did 
some open agenda things. So please share your thoughts. Yeah, let's do it. I mean, uh, I'll give a pause in between each one to hear your, your thoughts if you have any, but I've got four for you today and we're, we're going to hit a little bit of everything. So one, we're going to start with music. Recently found this great cover of Wagon Wheel, uh, which I, I like the song quite a bit. It's a, I forget exactly who it is originally by. I got hooked on uh, the cover by the, the main dude from Hootie and the Blowfish. Uh, but there's this guy, Alex Melton on YouTube. Uh, he covers songs as if Blink-182 did them kind of in a pop punk style, which I think is like just a fun and high energy like uh, style. Highly recommend it. Also, just generally, the song is a great karaoke song if that's your jam. So please check it out. Give it a go. Um, yeah, just I, I thought also like kind of fun to just like sing in the shower with, you know, even if you're not at karaoke, just good, just a good time regardless. Um, so give that a go at some point. All right. First of all, I've never heard of Wagon Wheel, so I'm not, I don't even oh, know. Oh, you got to give it a listen. So I, I, I got to look at the original and perhaps I'll do it the other way around. Sometimes whichever one you hear first is the one that you like the most. So I'm actually going to try and listen to the cover version first and then I'll listen to the original. Um, I was never really a big Hootie and the Blowfish fan. I kind of got into them. I won't say got into them, but I kind of got like their greatest hits a few years ago. And there are yeah. some tracks I really do like from them. So I will be curious to listen to that. Um, in relation to music, and covers. Have you heard of uh, Shitty Fluting? I think that's uh, what it was. Um, what? I, as no. soon as that came out, I was just dying with laughter. I added them to my uh, iPod, um, and my wife hates them. <laughs> really? Me. But my kids find it hilarious. And it got to the point where if we had the proper version come on the iPod, it was like, ah, oh, this isn't as good. And actually, this week, for the one that it did it on was uh, Africa by Toto. Oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> I, I prefer and actually this week it was the the proper version and i listened and it was the first time in probably four or five years when it's like oh my gosh this song's really good without the flutes <laughs> that's how bad it got that i prefer the version with the flutes a hard take on me is another one uh there's one from boston as well more than a feeling that's oh yeah um there's a sia sia i don't even know how you pronounce that Sh um is it chandelier oh, i think yeah. we have that there's like five to ten that we have on there, and I think I prefer all the ones with flutes over the original ones now, which is really bad. I understand that's that. saying something. I can't, I can't stop laughing though. Whenever I listen to them, it's so funny. So that's my that's my music take. All right, what you got for me, number two? Uh, number two. So uh, we're we're pivoting to shows here. Um, I am an addict for the show alone. It's a survival series. Uh, it's on Netflix. It used to be on like Discovery Channel and all this stuff. But basically, the premise is they drop. 10 people into a quote-unquote uninhabitable, uninhabitable location, but, I mean, people live there. Uh, kind of adds insults to injury, I guess. But they, like, in this most recent season, they've dropped them off in British Columbia in grizzly bear territory, and, like, every night camera shot is, like, a grizzly bear walking by these people's, like, encampments or log cabins that they've made. And I just think it's, one, it's insane, but similar to... Uh, like terrible fluting or shitty fluting. Like I can't tell if it's like nervous laughter or like genuine laughter, but I just, I can't stop giggling when these bears are just cruising by these people's uh, makeshift log cabins. So highly recommend it. It's like eight or 10 episodes, an hour each. And they're only trying to do it for 500 grand. And they basically will stay out into the wilderness for like a hundred days or like 130 days. And they're like, yeah, it's like totally worth it. it it's mind blowing to me. All right, I'm two for two. I've never heard of that show at all. Okay. <laughs> um, when I was in Yellowstone with my good friend Stephen in uh, 2001, we yep. started walking along this path, and we knew that there could be bears along. And then we're like, 
we're screwed if a bear comes along and we chickened out after less than half a mile. We walked straight no back way. to the car. We're like, it's not worth it. Now, I can't remember either because one of them you're supposed to lay down and play dead. One of them you're supposed to act big and scary and actually human voice as well. You're supposed to talk so they know that you're not an animal. And I never remember which is which. I'm colorblind anyway. I'm not sure I know the difference between a black bear and a brown bear or a grizzly bear or whatever the heck it is. Um, I did see a tweet that relates to this, which I thought was really funny. It was said, like, um, if you see uh, whichever bear it is, the brown bear or whatever, you're supposed to make yourself look really big. So what my plan is, I'm going to give the bear a magnifying glass. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. That's, that's just, a good dad joke right there. That's a good dad joke. Absolutely. That, 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 that really appealed to me. That, that tickled me when I saw that. I thought that was funny. Uh, yeah, no, I would be terrified if anything like that. I did have, when I was in the, um, the Florida Everglades, like I was walking along a path, and suddenly there was a – the gator came out it was blocking the path oh. and i was like at first it was like whoa this is really cool and then i was like what happens if the one appears behind me now i'm dead and i quickly got out of that place as well but yeah the, you, you don't mess with animals there has been instances again this summer in yellowstone of people getting gored by um the bison oh, there so yeah you got yeah, you don't nice. mess with wild animals that's for sure go ahead number three uh, well i'm just gonna uh this actually ties in perfectly you mentioned yellowstone so uh i uh I basically recently got a sabbatical from work. Uh, I was able to do a cross country trip uh, on my motorcycle with my dad and we actually rode out to Yellowstone. And so my like open agenda, anything goes was to discuss Yellowstone. And for me, it's definitely probably the top best national park that I've been to now. And yeah, some of the th like signs were like, hey, watch out for like bull elks or watch out for bison. They will like impale you, which is mind blowing to me because, you know, you're sitting there thinking, ah, it's not gonna mess with me. But we had like one instance where we're riding our motorcycles um along like the central loop and a you know mama bison was like herding the calf across the street and clearly stopped and was like this is not a car it looks kind of like a bison i don't know what the deal is and you know you feel your heart beat up a little bit or speed up excuse me and uh yeah it was it was insane but also just so beautiful i've been speechless three times in my life once when i got my first surfboard once when i saw the grand canyon and then standing out in lamar valley and just kind of looking at it just so cool man uh so humbling and just gives you a lot of perspective so i thought that was just like a really awesome thing to, to, to potentially talk about i remember people telling me you can't prepare yourself for seeing the grand canyon and they were absolutely right yep. nothing can prepare you for the vastness of it and i think the thing that's confusing with the bison situation now we went to a park before that that's known for having bison so we yep. kind of experienced bison the first time it's like oh my god this one on the side right and yes. then you realize oh they're all over the place you're gonna yeah. see like it's like an everyday occurrence um is that they're so tame like they yeah. will come up to the car and i can't remember if we petted them i'm not sure i don't remember but they they're literally coming right up there yeah. and they're so gentle and then you kind of forget that oh look this is a wild animal and you don't it's like a ton I, yeah i do remember at one point walking around some visitor center and we've stepped there's like cars parked and i'll step in between and my buddy's like watch out for the bison i was like where and he's like there and i was like oh shoot. and literally it was right and i hadn't <laughs> seen it at all like i'd come around the car and then you you have to yeah you really got to watch where you go in because you could put yourself in a situation oh, yeah. uh like it's not walking like walking around a zoo when they're all like cages mm -hmm. and everything they can go wherever they want and if oh, they yeah. want to walk through the parking lot they're, they're going to walk through the parking lot yeah. so uh yeah no it's i do remember at yellowstone being very disappointed with a lot of people who were visiting uh, we're there one, walking on the boardwalks and we're looking at these bacterial mats and you're watching things bubbling up from all the different there's so yeah. much like cool stuff there oh yeah and i remember one dad walking along with his son he's going it's just a bacterial mat so on, let's go and i was like oh my god oh. like he didn't even give it like the time of day i'm like you do realize what you're actually looking at here um so that was kind of disappointing but um old faithful 
uh, I just have great memories of Old Faithful. Yep. But I think most of the tourists miss out on it because you can stand right next to it, watch it, yep. and then that's it. It's done in 90 seconds and you go go to the gift shop and then you leave. We climbed up to the mountain because we were told that's the place to go. We climbed, oh, no up, climbed up the hill and then we watched it again when it comes around. It's like every 90 minutes approximately. Yep. And then we watched it for a second time up there. And then you can really see it from a different perspective. And I'm so glad that we did that. That's awesome. So we did, we really lucked out. We parked in five minutes after we got up to watch Old Faithful. It, 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 it you know, did its whole eruption thing. And I don't know, we didn't get to see it from the mountain, but still just really cool. It's like, I think my takeaway from it is you're literally walking on top of a super volcano. Everything yeah. there is cool. So I totally bummed to hear the dad be like, oh, no, like, don't look at that. It's like, no, 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 don't don't inhibit someone's uh, curiosity. Like, embrace it the fact that you're on a, a volcano. Like, have fun with it. Yeah, yeah. I, it was just one of those things. It's like, oh, come on. You've come to the wrong place. Um, I know my son. I know Jackson's dying to go to Yellowstone. I was like, it's so far. Like, oh, yeah. at some point. But, yeah, when? I don't know right now. But, yeah, it's definitely. Yeah. All right, right. You got a fourth one? Yeah. Uh, last thing here. Um I'm really into Formula One recently. Over the last year, uh, I got hooked through the Drive to Survive series on Netflix. So like the classic new age fan, but like this is my second season of watching Formula One. And the one thing I wanted to talk about is I actually really love their streaming platform. And as like an avid sports consumer, I think it's not perfect, but it's way better than any other sports streaming option I've used to date. Puts MLB to shame, uh, Sunday ticket to shame, NBA league pass to shame. I don't know. The only thing that's relatively comparable, but I'm not a huge fan for is like UFC. Like you can see any UFC fight predating, you know, back to the start of it. Kind of same deal with like old races and stuff. But 80 bucks to get every qualifying session, every uh, practice session, every race plus pre-show, post-show interviews. And you, it's a 22 race calendar that goes from basically February till December. <laughs> Sign me up. Take my money every time. I love it. And I think it's a really cool example of how like a sport takes accessibility seriously, in my opinion. And I would love to see more U.S.-based sports kind of take that approach. Now, I'm going to go back to number one because it was something I meant to say and forgot. And yeah. as I know he's listening, Matt, I took your advice. Um, yesterday, I went through every single episode of uh, Obi-Wan. Uh, it's amazing. Ooh. Fantastic. That's definitely recommended. And the reason it reminded me is, as, you were, as soon as you mentioned Formula One, okay, are you listening, Matt? At H-I-L-M-R-Y-A-N-C. Expect something in your DMs soon, I'm sure. Uh, his podcast, Into La Gossip, is all about Formula One. He's always Ooh. looking at people. So um, I wouldn't be surprised if he contacted you at some point and said, oh, do you want to talk about that? He knows I hate Formula One. Oh, <laughs> like, okay. Well, then, hey. If I've got a sacrificial lamb, I can throw at him. But I used to watch a lot of Formula One in probably the 90s. And then, yeah, sometimes uh, when Mason was super young, he liked watching fast cars go around in a circle. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's not my thing. But he, he is going to love this because he, he doesn't know a lot about baseball. Uh, but here in Formula One in a positive light, he's going to absolutely love that. Is that, is that. So you said his name's Matt? Matt. All right. That's my co-host on the Good Cop, Bad Cop Wrestling Podcast. Okay, Matt, well, I'll look out for you. Hi, I'm Ryan C. I'll do the plugs later. But yeah, man, uh, I, I, as a new convert, I'm open to hearing about the history, but also just love the, uh, I, I just love like the politicking and, and everything. So yeah, um, but again, keeping it to streaming, I think they're killing it. And I, I really wish more, you know, sports in the United States would kind of take their approach. All right, time for my favorite segment on the wrestling version of this, The Devil's Advocate, where we have to defend a hot take. Good. 
Now, I think this might be interesting because I think you have a, a slight variation on this one. I think you said that you have a hot take, but you're kind of curious on what my opinion would be, kind of the opposite side of this. So, um, I guess I, I guess the thing I need to do is um, it's 20 seconds. Normally, this will be something that we don't agree on. Uh, for yours, I can guarantee that you will not agree with this one. Okay. Uh, Mine, I don't know. We'll see how it goes. Um, I guess the choice is, do you want to deliver a devil's advocate or do you want to receive a devil's advocate first? Well, well, let's keep with tradition. If you're usually delivering them, I'm ready to receive a devil's advocate and see what we got. All right. Uh, I had to stay very quiet because you said that we hadn't mentioned this. And I was like, oh, I got it in my notes. Don't worry about it. All <laughs> okay. right. Your devil's advocate from me is Chris Sale getting injured is karma for his assault on the Worcester. Uh, well, sorry, on the Woo Sox clubhouse. <laughs> so I had to defend this? Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, I mean, yeah, I think if you go back and look at Chris Sale's uh, history throughout baseball, prone to erratic disruptions. And at the end of the day, like it stems back to his time on the White Sox where he's cutting up classic retro jerseys and clearly dude can't, you know, be a rational human at times. There you go. No, I wasn't letting Chris get off the hook. I was trying to think, I was like, oh my gosh, that's so bad. I was like, can he, that guy catch a break? And then I was like, oh, I could switch. That was a, a clear bad comment. His assault into that, uh, that place. He was upset, but it, yeah. it wasn't like his inning was that bad. Like, no. it's because he walked people. Like, I think he only gave up one run, but hey, they got a new TV out of it and um, et cetera. Yeah. Like Etc. But yeah, it, it seemed an obvious one. Uh, knowing that I got a Red Sox person coming on. Yeah, uh, I think ironically, when I started this, I was going to try and get like I also was trying to get four people like all from different teams as well. Like I'll try and get a Red Sox fan, a Cubs fan, a Cardinals yeah. fan. Last week, Red Sox. This week, Red Sox. Tomorrow, <laughs> Red Sox. It, it just seems that I and I don't I don't think it's deliberate. It's not like oh I'm gonna follow, I'm gonna follow people on Twitter who are Red Sox fans. It just happens that the people I know just happen to be Red Sox fans as well. You're gonna get lambasted for uh, New England bias. You better be careful. <laughs> Good happen. All right, here's my hot take that I'm excited to hear you defend. Uh, the MLB doesn't actually care about growing the game. Um, my most businesses, um, they're more interested in the, the short term. They don't know exactly what's coming. People are definitely going towards um, focusing on other sports now. It's not the national game anymore. Football's the national game for America. So why would you focus on the future when it's clearly a dying form? you got to get most out of this uh, baby as you can right now. Pretty much like all, all the oil companies. It's going to be gone soon, so get it while you can. Wow. That was too easy for you to defend. I'm really sad. <laughs> we, but I also we, know that's relatively true. <laughs> <laughs> we uh, just released our 200th episode for the wrestling version of this uh, last week. So when we started doing this, I remember the first four episodes, I described it as the most painful time of the week. Like it was really difficult to do. It, and then now it's like, we don't even, we're like, we got multiple ones. are like, all right, bring them on. <laughs> we're ready. We're ready. We, wow. <laughs> you, you, I, I guess like everything, it just requires a little bit of practice and then it quickly becomes easy. But yeah. So to keep it on theme, just get a couple at bats and you're good to go it's muscle memory now did you say you had two so the other one that i was uh gonna see if you were interested in defending was the statement was the universal dh is bad for baseball well the universal dh is clearly bad for baseball when you got two different leagues you got the american league you got the national league you want differences you want people to be able to go to one thing enjoy it go to the other team do it. when this one it's just the same how are you going to distinguish between the two leagues you need brand identity you don't get brand identity when both teams look exactly the same so how are the pitchers going to get better at batting as well when you don't give them the chance to so if it ever goes back to the other format man i think they're sticking with the universal dl uh, dh but 
I think they should because at the end of the day, I actually like some of our the minor strategic decisions it gives you the option to do, and it doesn't inhibit anything. If you've got a pitcher that rakes, pitcher can still go out and rake. It is what it is. But if you don't, I think as a manager of the baseball team, I would rather have the flexibility that the DH offers to be able to put my team into the position to win more likely than not. But, you know, I could understand to your point, it's like, hey, historically speaking, now what, you know, you're going between like one era versus the other era, albeit, you know, we've had the steroids era, like juice balls, all this other stuff. It's like baseball changes eras more than probably any other sports I expect. But uh, yeah, yeah, I'm perfectly fine. I'm in the camp of, I actually really like the universal DH and and think it adds a little bit more parity. And like I said, some options. I hated it when it came out. The day it was announced, I was furious. For a Brit to be annoyed by this. I was so annoyed by it that I actually tweeted the wrong thing. Um, I (laughs) What I put, I, I, I can't remember what I quoted. I might have said the exact opposite of what I felt, but I was so annoyed that I, um, yeah. And then afterwards, I, I, I did talk about it on one of the episodes. I like, I actually warm in towards it. Like Bryce Harper gets still gets to play. Like if it wasn't for that, he wouldn't be playing. You won't get to see him at all. We still get to see him at bat. And I can understand bringing bringing people in gradually. So when you bring him off the disabled list, you can put him in as DH for a few games, and then you can put him on the field, and then you the the good. So I can actually see a real bonus to it. But I do miss seeing the pitch about yeah i mean hey there's been some cool moments and everything like that but at the end of the day uh i'm well i'm like shepherding this new era in you know uh with open arms i have no problems i I think this is how much i missed i didn't even realize during covid times that it was introduced then anyway um i didn't even know that at that point i was like oh it was i was like that tells me how how little i paid attention in 2020 to baseball i I guess there was a lot of things going on in the world at that time uh baseball was probably a little (laughs) pretty low on the back burner but again hey goes to my point mlb doesn't actually care about growing the game and they don't need to now it was kind of tough to um defend that because at the same time the the reason that i'm doing this podcast right now with you the reason jackson's doing his podcast right now is um i saw an email about the play ball which is their youth development thing and we signed up for it and now jackson loves baseball he's interested in everything the history we actually bought we went to the thrift store today we just spent so much money on different baseball things we got a dartboard which on the back has a baseball on his back so you actually throw as a pitcher at all the different things like whether you get a ball a strike and out whether you go first so we got that. We bought MLB um, Monopoly. Um, what else did we buy? There was a third game that we bought. Oh, there's like a Yahtzee game that's got, it's got Yankees on it. I was like, oh, um, he likes the Yankees, but I think it's just to antagonize me because he knows I don't. sticking it to the old man, yeah. yeah. He's being mean with that. So we got that. We bought three books from there as well, all to do with baseball. All 267 stadiums. Um, it goes from... <laughs> Uh, major league uh, negro leagues i'm like oh this is definitely my thing uh book about the great players of cooperstown so yeah we're totally into uh all that stuff right now and if it wasn't for the play ball he wouldn't have had the opportunity i talked about the orioles somebody wrote a letter from him from the orioles who was at that event and said oh we heard that you were really interested in statistics that's why he invited him to go and sit in the uh scorers booth for two innings so if it so they're trying but at the same time it's really difficult when you have so many sports Yep. Baseball is not the cool option. Football is a cool option. That, that's what people want to play. Uh, baseball is not a cool option. In England, it's much different. Like, soccer's number one by a long, long way. Yeah. Sure, there's cricket. Sure, there's rugby. But they're, they're far less. Whereas here, you've got the four main sports. Yep. And then everything else after. So, yeah, it's, um, it is tough. 
I'm still holding out for, you know, being an East Coast kid. I'm still holding out for lacrosse's big breakthrough to become a little bit more mainstream just because I think that's a really, you know, beautiful and kind of just like a very mental game. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I agree. Like, if you were to tell me as a kid, hey, you could play baseball or you could play, you know, basketball as a professional or I mean, I even think soccer at this point has passed baseball in terms of interests from like American youth. And so uh, I don't know. It, it's kind of a bummer to see the game fall by the wayside in the way that it is. And like I say that also someone who was really excited when I was in Omaha to go by the, you know, the the stadium out there where they play the College World Series. But yeah. like that won't mean too much for many people in the long run. I, don't, I can't imagine. So, yeah, it's, it's just strange. Yeah, it's it, yeah, it, it, it's just one of those things. But I don't know. It's it, things go in cycles. So oh, for sure. We'll, we'll see. But yeah, there's definitely other options. For, Which is why I'm like, get Trout, get Otani, get these people out who are fun and encourage the bat flips. I mean, I don't want to see fighting, but encourage the showmanship of the game that gets you those viral clips, that gets you that kind of just built-in hype. I, I like em- embrace it 100. percent now, this should have been one, and I'm going to go into, I, I don't care, because they said we'll, we'll riff on this if we need to. Yeah. This should have been one of my good cop moments weeks ago, and I've just always found other things. And it's like, hey, this I can talk about at any time. So now seems the perfect time to talk about it. Have you heard about, and I might be getting the team wrong, the Savannah Bananas? bananas. Yeah, 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 yeah. So you know they, exactly. And they dance, and they have all the, they got the man on stilts. Yeah, they're, I, I would say they are like an Instagram, TikTok, kind of like viral sensation. Big fans. I tried to get tickets because we were in South Carolina recently and I was like, we were going to do a little tour and I tried to get every game sold out as far as I could tell. No way. Like, my son knows about it. Like Jackson knew about it. He's like, the to- he said, how big do you think the tallest pitcher is? And we're coming up with guys. He's like, wrong. He's like, he pitches on stilts. I'm like, whoa, like, that's crazy. And I saw a clip last night because my wife showed it to me. The batter's there in the batting box. And then he does the splits. So his strike zone is like from basically the ground up to a time. And of course, the pitcher can't get it in there at all. There's like no time. Yeah. I think doesn't like the dog bring out the bats or something. Like everything is gimmicky. And the umpire dances after like strikeouts yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah, it's crazy. I don't know if the scores are even legit. I don't know if it's like the Harlem Globetrotters. I say, but- yeah. Okay, but I'm like, who cares anyway? I think the games are at a set time, so I think it's like if it's after, I don't know what it is, like it's two hours, then that's at the end of the game. Like, even if it's not finished, that's it. Who cares? That's the type of thing that there needs to be more of. I'm hoping that this is going to spawn other teams who are like, have you seen how much money these guys are making for clowning around? Like, you don't even have to be a great baseball player. You might need to be a circus performer. You might need to be some sort of physical comedian or something, but... Get some of those teams up in the Northeast, in the on the Atlantic, and surely the other teams can do it. But that, I think things like that, you need things that make the the sport fun. Uh, cricket redeveloped itself because I don't know. I know cricket is definitely something that Americans don't really particularly know about. Even I know though all about the world. IPL. What are you talking about, man? Oh, okay. I'm just I'm, I, that's primarily through people on my team, and I had like a, I've learned about like Bangalore and like all these other and Hyderabad and all these other teams. So yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm there yeah. a little bit. You have the World Cup coming to you in, I think, 2023 or 2024. Yep. So it's, it's coming. Um, but, yeah, they have that, they have five days. Their internationals are five days long, and you can have a draw, which is, I've heard that as a criticism from an American, and I quite yep. agree. Um, they have the one-day version, which they've had for a while, but then they even scaled that back. They have a 2020 version. So you have a, so basically 120 pitchers each side, and then they've scaled that back now to, like, 100. So they're coming up with different formats. to People want to be in and out within two hours, two and a half hours. They haven't got time to sit around for – four-hour-plus games, which unfortunately for baseball can happen, and you know as well, if it's Red Sox-Yankees in the postseason, 
that can be five, six hours easily. So they need things that make it a little shorter for everyone's attention. But you're not going to get kids interested in a game that goes on six hours, four hours, five hours. They're not. They, they need something much shorter. So, yeah, the Savannah Bananas, wow, what a, what a concept. It's, I hate put a, put a team, sorry to interrupt, but I say put a team like that on the Cape Cod Summer League. That would yeah. just be absolutely crazy. People would come from all over to watch that. I, I, it's, again, embrace the fact that baseball at its core is pivoting more towards entertainment. Even for like a hardcore fan like me, I'm going there to be entertained in some capacity. I'm not looking at it from a pure, ooh, that was a that was barely outside the strike zone. I mean, yeah, I'll boo or whatever it is, but like I'm there for entertainment. Um, yeah, I was going to say, if you haven't seen them, try. I'll, I'll try and see if I can find a clip on YouTube and yeah. uh, post it on the feed so people know what it is. But I was going to say, when I go to the minor league games, I'm not going for the top quality. I understand that they're not the top quality, but I am going for the entertainment side. I want those things between innings. I okay. want those. I want the kids' park where the kids can go and play. I want the dollar hot dog night. I want the players signing autographs after the game. I want kids play catch on the field before the game. I, I want all that stuff. So, yeah, no, I definitely think that's uh, the way to go if you want people interested. Also, minor league teams just have better logos and hats. Like, let's be honest. I'd much rather spend money on minor league team hats now. Like, a huge fan of that scene. So, yeah, that's my last thing. I've started listening to a minor league podcast. It's the main one. I can't remember what it's called. I think it's the show before the show, I think is what it's called. Oh, cool. and they get sent hats and stuff like that. And when you go and look at the logos and that, they're just so cool. Oh, yeah. uh, creativity is it's a lot more fun event. And uh, they've started going towards food items as well. Um, I know Jackson and I talked about the, the chicken tenders were one of the teams um, up in Manchester, I think it was. Yeah. Uh, uh, New Hampshire, I think it was. Um, but yeah, things like that are definitely fun. Hey, Ryan, this has been a an absolute joy we have our good cop moments just as kind of a little framework to get something to throw ideas around but yeah it's, it's always better when you can just riff a little bit as well and stories you get remembered one thing leads to oh yeah i remember this and i remember that <laughs> yeah so, absolute blast tell everybody where they can follow you on the uh, social media where they can find you yeah sure so twitter and instagram it's just going to be hi i'm ryan c it's all one word so uh h-i-i-m-r-y-a-n-c uh I, yeah that's what that is i thought yeah. it was an l i think i oh. said h and i tried i guess some of those capitals and i was i couldn't figure out what your i was like halam or i was like <laughs> no i was gonna ask you what that was oh god i feel like a total idiot now okay hi i am okay well now i'll remember because i always have to type in at ryan and then hope it predicts who oh, you hope it pops just, up. yeah 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 um but yeah no other than that on instagram if you're interested i know we touched on uh my recent motorcycle road trip but feel free to check out i've got a bike specific instagram just nova as in northern virginia dot gsa which is the type of bike i ride if you want to see photos of uh yellowstone but otherwise no most of the time that i'm interacting with good cop bad cop stuff it's going to be on hi i'm ryan c so please check it out and matt hit me up uh, for formula one stuff let's go buddy <laughs> he's going to be doing some assaults right now <laughs> awesome. He'll definitely appreciate it. Thank you so much. Um, yeah, I know, thanks. I think the baseball, I think the, the home run derby is probably started right now. Yeah. I don't know if it's your intention to watch it. I just signed up for Sling TV, uh, mm. half price for a month because I don't have cable anymore. So $25, boom, I got ESPN. So we can watch, I'm going to watch that with Jackson tonight. And then we're going to watch the All-Star game tomorrow. I think, oh, it's on Fox. I hope we get Fox on there. I didn't look. I think Sling does, if I recall correctly. So you should be good. And um, next week, I'm trying to think who's on the on-deck circle. The on-deck circle next week is Dustin Tarr and his brother, who we also had on MGB Wrestling Podcast. Uh, Dustin Tarr's a wrestler, so uh, nice. <laughs> his brother's also a wrestler, so we're going to get... And he was like, do you want my brother on as well? I was like, absolutely. So uh, more Red Sox fans, so um, <laughs> sorry if you're not a Red the Sox The streak fan. is alive. I love it. I love it. Keep it going. Until next week, then, I think that's it. We're out of here. 
Music Was, Happy Happy Game Show by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com. Licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0. HTTP colon slash slash creativecommons.org slash licenses slash by slash 3.0 slash.